Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. I'm finally trying the new thing of recording my podcast while doing Instagram Live. So we'll see how this works. Um, I'm Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy and Romance and all of the wonderful places they intersect. Today is Monday. November 2nd. So I've been talking about this for a while, That uh, especially now that I've had to move indoors for the uh, uh, with the cold weather, that I would try recording the podcast while doing Instagram Live and see if I could do both things at once. So, so far, I think I'm doing all right. Uh, I normally record the podcast here on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Friday mornings, and I don't do a lot of editing. I just simply post it live. I have a 20-minute chat over my first cup of coffee and talk about what it's like being a career author and sort of whatever is on my mind on any given day. So I'm simultaneously recording via the laptop on Zencaster. For those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, you know that I um, my microphone blew out last week. So now I am. Um, I thought, okay, well, that's a sign from the universe, right, to try this new system. So, um, of course, things are fraught this week. We're all on tenterhooks waiting for the results of the election here in the U.S. tomorrow. There's also uh, sad news in my particular micro-community. Uh, I'll have to see if I can get through this without getting weepy. I did some crying last night. Uh, but many of you know that Roxanne Conrad, who also wrote as Rachel King, passed away last night. Passed away yesterday morning. Uh, a lot of the news went out on social media last night. And... Uh, you know, she was just a lovely person, only four years older than I am, which is always a little bit daunting, and um, had an aggressive form of cancer. Uh, yes, rest in peace. She had a lot of um, a lot of pain at the end, so I think it's peaceful for her to be gone now. Ah, sorry. <clears throat> I first encountered Rachel King long before I was a writer. I picked up her Weather Wardens books um, at the Hastings in my small Wyoming town. I think small Wyoming town is actually redundant, I should just say, in my Wyoming town. It was big enough to have a Hastings, right? <laughs> so uh, I think there were five of those books, and I spotted them. They used to have some – whoever was uh, – did those displays at the front of the store, had my number, because I would always have great books right there at the front. And I discovered so many wonderful authors that way. Um, Impulse buys. I picked up Jacqueline Carey that way. And um, I remember Rachel came very specifically, Kim Harrison, Patricia Briggs, you know, that, you know exactly which era I'm talking about. And I bought all five Leather Warden's books and glommed them. 
And much later, after I had become an author, I was privileged to participate with Rocks in a anthology, uh, the Dark Secrets Anthology, and met up with her at a convention. I think it was an RT convention. And Megan Hart was there and uh, several other people. We met in like some, I think, Maybe Rocks had a suite or something like that because we all met up and we sat around this table. We got our lunches to go and planned our uh, strategy for the anthology. It was the first self-published anthology I was part of. And Rocks was just um, a great person. She, you know, lent a lot of marketing expertise and she was just um, a really generous and lovely person. And she would tell this hysterical story about uh, trying to sell the, like the serial TV rights for TV series uh, for the Morganville Vampires, I think it was. And, uh, you know, she just, there are authors who have a lot of ego and um, she was just not one of them. Uh, She was proud of her work, but she wasn't... um, I don't know. This is something I talk about a lot, you know, the having enough ego to survive the rejections inherent to the business. Uh, it, it takes a lot of toughness and a lot of belief in yourself and in your own work. But at the same time, it's easy to let that ego run away with you. And Rox was not someone who uh, let the ego run away with her. She was always... Um, always very down to earth and um, I guess cognizant of the role of serendipity in her success, which is often a um, something that people don't always want to credit. I know I talk about that a lot. So, um, you know, rest in peace, Rox. There's a lot of, um, a lot of nice tributes to her out there. And I didn't realize until I saw the uh, in memoriam that her uh, family put out, family and um, colleagues, that she asked for donations to be sent to uh, Safwa's emergency medical fund, which that's always handled very confidentially. So I'm, I'm hoping that maybe it meant that she took advantage of Sefwa's uh, emergency medical fund. She was a member of Sefwa. For those of you who don't know, she wrote um, Urban Fantasy and YA Fantasy. <clears throat> so she, uh, the emergency medical fund is there for both Sefwa members and non-members for extraordinary medical uh, events. And it's a, it's a good pool of money. And so I I thought that was really wonderful that she um, asked people to donate to it. So enough of of being verklempt. Uh, Although my, um, the other thing I want to talk about is on my Friday podcast, I talked about just um, having kind of a down day. I was, I was tired. I was tired Friday morning. Uh, I tried working on, I'm working on the Golden Griffin and the Bear Prince first book in the Heirs of Magic series. Um, Prequel story, Long Night of the Crystal and Moon comes out 
in the Under a Winter Sky anthology out November 19th. We've actually compiled an arc. So for those of you um, who are interested in getting a review copy, uh, you can comment on the post or ping me on Instagram, um, contact form on the website, jeffykennedy.com. Let me know because we are going to be sending out the review copies. Um, probably Assistant Karina has already sent some out for those of you who are uh, waiting for that. Um, I've read all three stories in it. Uh, there's Ball Gowns and Butterflies by Kelly Armstrong. It's wonderful, very classic Victorian Christmas with time travel. Um, just delightful story. Melissa Mars, Blood Martinis and Mistletoe is kind of an epilogue to her book that came out. And I'm not going to be able to think of the name of it, but her new urban fantasy. And it's brilliant and wonderful and full of fabulous sexual tension. And then Leslie Penelope writes it as L. Penelope has her story that's um, Echoes of Ash and Tears, I think. That is kind of a prequel story to her Earth Singer series and uh, involves things like blood magic and stuff. There's a, a fair amount of blood. Um, and then mine is a prequel to this new uh, series, Heirs of Magic, which is kind of next generation of after the Twelve Kingdoms and Uncharted Realms books. So anyway, um, I'm I'm doing pretty well on Golden Griffin and the Bear Prince. I'm like 25,000 words into it, but I tried working on it on Friday, and as I suspected, it um, didn't work. <laughs> just uh, there are some days you poke at the writing, and it just uh, repels you. It like bounces you back out. Um, it, it's a weird phenomenon, and and I know that it's something for those of you who are writers out there that you know, as much as I talk about the value of building a writing habit and uh, writing consistently, the <laughs> there are times when it simply can't be forced. And I think a great deal of experience as a writer has to do with um, learning to know when when to keep going and when to back off when the work just sometimes it's weird. It's like a living thing. I swear. Sometimes it just needs to, to sit and be left alone. <laughs> it's a, I, many of you know that I've been uh, writing in the mornings with Dorinda. We get on zoom together, Dorinda Jones. And I said something to Dorinda about it and we were just cracking up because we were like, yeah, it's like some days the book is like, just don't touch me. Just leave me here. <laughs> have a headache just let me be on my side of the bed don't don't even come near me uh, you know and some days it just is like that and I think all writers experience that so I talked about that a little bit on Friday on the podcast and I said that um, you know I was tired and this was even before I tried poking at the book I could just tell that I didn't have much in me I feel much better today. I had a great weekend. I have refilled that well. Um, but it was funny because then I ended up talking to my mom later in the day. And many of you know 
that my mom is a faithful listener of my podcast. Uh, some people say it's very sweet, and then I say that it's actually her major way of spying on me. <laughs> so that she knows what's going on in my life. And, and you guys, I talk to her. I text with her every day. I talk to her. Uh, but she just loves listening to me talk on the podcast. And I talked to her on the phone, voice call, not long after she had listened to the podcast. And and she was concerned because my mom worries about me. I mean, she's a good mother. And she said, oh, you just sounded so down, so, so sad. And, she, you know, she's like, what, what's wrong? All, all of these things. And I said, you know, it's just a down day. I'm tired. And, you know, she, and she was concerned about it. And I said, you know, I actually considered not recording the podcast because I didn't want you to worry about me sounding down and tired. And she said, well, that's not a good thing. And I'm like, yeah, it's not a good thing. Because as many of you longtime listeners know, I'm a big believer in giving an accurate picture of what it's like to be a career author. And if I don't talk about the down days, if I don't talk about the days where things are just flat, not working, then that gives an unfair picture of what it's like. And not just for other writers. It's for, you know, everybody. Nobody gets to be up 100% of the time. And of course, one of the great criticisms of social media is that it enables us to show only the very best parts of our lives, you know, only the happy pictures. You know, we take 20 photos and show the very best one. Uh, it's, it's this carefully groomed and cultivated image of who we are uh, presented to the world. And, and we look at other people's feeds. And even though we know, even though we know exactly what's going on there, that that's what they're doing, it still can make us feel bad because we're like, well, you know, Susie from high school sure has an amazing freaking life, and, <laughs> you know, but you don't see all the, the downtimes. And so I feel like it's very important to to continue to record, to be faithful about recording on even those days when I don't feel good. We'll see with trying the Instagram live thing. Will I still record on the days when I feel like I'm I don't know, too schleppy for public consumption, that would be the authentic thing to do. So we'll see if I manage to do that. I will try because I think that's an important part of, of what I'm trying to do here with the podcast and so forth. So that was my, my sticky note was to remind myself to talk about that. Um, in other news, last night we watched She Devil from forever ago. Uh, I, I don't even know if I know what year it was from. Maybe I can look it up here. Uh, it was with Roseanne Barr and Meryl Streep and Ed Begley Jr., who never did much for me. Um, I guess that's not relevant. He's kind of a shit in the show, so it was probably decently cast. Okay, let's see here. Of course, IMDb is wanting to play me videos. I just want to look up my movie. Okay, here we go. She Devil, 1989. Okay, so 99, 09, 19. So 31 years ago. Uh, 
And Meryl Streep was 40 in the movie. And she was, you know, just lovely. And this was Roseanne Barr's first movie. But it was kind of funny because um, Meryl Streep plays Mary Fisher, who is a romance author and an incredibly wealthy romance author. And it was interesting to see how heavily they leaned into all of the cliches about romance authors. I mean, she wears pink all the time. And of course it's eighties too, but her hair blonde is like so aqua netted for those of you who remember the day, you know, when you sort of do the mall bangs with the, you know, in the aqua. Net. I mean, they had her hair swooped up kind of to the side. And this is the advantage of Instagram live is because I'm actually demonstrating this and it would, like be swooped up to the side over her ear and would stay there rigid because of the aquanet and the rest of her hair would be like practically standing out like a helmet. Uh, <laughs> it did not move like hair. Uh, and she wore the hats. I wear hats. I don't wear hats like that. Uh, and she was very wealthy and I don't know. It was, um, it was annoying for the way they leaned into those cliches. And she's supposed to be kind of a bad person because she steals Roseanne Barr's husband and Roseanne Barr, you know, goes to, uh, you know, take revenge and gradually takes apart her ex-husband's life. And it was a, it was an interesting premise that just didn't hold up well. And, you know, it kind of falls apart as it goes along. And I realized that I am over analyzing uh, what is essentially a pretty frothy movie, but I don't know. It's like in some ways they made it seem like she didn't really deserve her success. And it was kind of like, you know, take down the pretty head cheerleader kind of movie um, that for her being lovely and successful, she therefore deserved to suffer. And of course, you know, in movies, the relationships with the editors are always like nothing like real life movies or real life relationships. Sorry. They are like real life movies, but they're nothing like real life relationships with uh, uh, editors. Your editor, for example, does not sit with you at a book signing unless maybe you're at a convention and then they might stop by. I suppose when um, Grace Draven and I were at San Diego Comic Con and Grace signed her book, her editor, Ann Soward, stood there and paged the books for her. You know, the person who stands there and opens it up to the signing page in order to keep things moving faster. But, you know, like the signing at the bookstore, your editor's not going to show up. So I don't know. That was like Meryl Streep, Mary Fisher wrote this terrible book because that she called Love in the Spin Cycle, which is kind of funny because... Ed had moved in with her with the kids and she was doing laundry all the time. It was never adequately explained why she wasn't, if she had so much money and just like why she wasn't throwing money at her household servants to do this stuff for her, which if I had a huge amount of money, that's what I would uh, be throwing my money at. I, I feel like we're all the same as that. We, you, you people are my tribe. We would, this is like the first thing we spend our money on. Right. So I think that um, calls it good for today. I will put a link to She Devil in the show notes in case you guys want to. Um, I mean, there's funny parts of it, but if you want to hate watch it, yeah. Sun coming in the window. Sun is rising here in lovely Santa Fe. Uh, thank you for commenting. Um, appreciate 
those of you watching this. Uh, Aqua Venatus, I see that you have to finish reading the latest series. You better get going on that because surely you can read faster than I can write. Huh? <laughs> I know that's not fair. Um, all righty. Uh, I will remind you that the first cup of coffee podcast is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find other podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Keep your fingers crossed that this election comes out well. You all take care. Bye bye.